Sadly, we live in a time when too many are forgetting history today. Thomas Jefferson warned, if a nation expects to be ignorant and free in a state of civilization, it expects what never was and never will be. But sadly, we live in a time when some seek to erase our history, to wipe out our history and indoctrinate our children. back to another episode of the Textbook Propaganda Podcast. I'm Prescott, and today I'm joined in the studio with someone. Haley, why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself? Um, well, my name is Haley, and I am a high school fine arts teacher. Fantastic. So, Haley, what is your background with history? Like, when's the last time you took a history class? It, oh, that's a long time ago. 20 years? 15, 20 years? Okay. And would you say you know you are someone that knows a lot about history? I would say I know enough to know that I don't know enough to talk knowledgeably about it. Okay. Fantastic. Well, today what we're going to be looking at is um, something that is really relevant to the time that this episode is going to be published. Christopher Columbus. Ah, a great guy. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, so recently, if you didn't know, Haley, uh, a lot of people have been angry about the fact that we have a Columbus Day. And there have been several places in, um, I believe in Portland, they changed the name of Columbus Day to Native People's Day. And there's been a push in several other places to either stop celebrating Columbus or to shift the focus onto Native people, Native to the North American continent. Okay. Well, that makes sense. It does. But today we're going to be looking at how does Christopher Columbus get portrayed in the textbooks? And we've got a doozy. You ready to jump into it? Super ready. Okay. So, uh, first off, why don't you tell me a little bit about, what do you know about Columbus? So, I know that Columbus came over here. He was not aiming to come here to what we now call North America, America, the United States. He was aiming for India, if I'm remembering correctly, and came in. And was a real jerk to everyone that he encountered, thinking he was like some divine god's intervention to their lives, a gift to them, if you will. Okay, that's not totally inaccurate. And we're going to get into a little bit more about that. So first, what I thought we'd do is we're going to look at what the textbooks say. Uh, if you've listened before, you know that's what we're going to jump into. And we'll have several textbooks. But let's look at that, and then we'll get into some more primary sources, and some other stories that often get left out about Columbus that I think really illustrate the kind of man he really was. What do you say? Awesome. So our first one is, it's a Prentice Hall textbook called A History of the Republic. I liked this one because it actually gave a little bit of backstory about Columbus. Usually they just jump right into, hey, this dude sailed across the ocean. Like occasionally they might talk about, like he went and talked to, was what was it, Spain? He went and talked to the king and queen of Spain. Do you know where he comes from? Not Spain. Not Spain. That is correct. That is correct. Do you know, can you get any more specific than not Spain? Was it Portugal? Yeah, it's like the meme. Yes, but actually no. <laughs> so let's jump into this. Uh, Apprentice Hall, um, History of the Republic says, Columbus grew up in Genoa, which was in Italy. It's a busy seaport. As a young man, he sailed on several voyages in the Mediterranean. Later, on a voyage to England, his ship was attacked and sunk off the coast of Portugal. Columbus was wounded, but was able to float to shore on an oar. In Portugal, Columbus heard about the discoveries made along the coast to Africa. And uh, for people that don't know, what that means is Portugal is really one of the first European countries to land on the coast of Africa and discover that there was a valuable resource there. People. Oh. Yeah. They're the first ones to start exporting slaves from Africa. Uh, and he, uh, he liked that. Yikes. So he began studying Portuguese maps and charts he started to develop his own ideas about how to reach the Indies. Yes, just like you said, he was shooting for India, uh, that whole area, which was called the Indies by the Europeans. They always like to come up with their own names for things. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm glad you didn't say that he was trying to prove the Earth was round. That is something that a lot of people think, that he was looking out to try to prove that we lived on a round world. Yikes. Yeah, not, not, not so much the case, but you, you see it. Not so much in history books anymore, but if you go back about 50 years, you see that a little Wasn't bit. Wasn't he going in search of trade items or yes. shorter way to get trade items? Yes. So what 
what's going on in this time period is we have the the Silk Road, which is a overland route from Europe to China specifically, but also a little bit to India to get spices, silk, other things that were valuable that they didn't have in Europe. And you know, England was never successful in that because their food is still bland as fuck. <laughs> So Columbus is really trying to find a quicker way to get there. The main method was to travel over land, which took about two years to get there and get back. But the problem you run into is you're either loaded down with money so you can buy a bunch of shit or you're loaded down with valuable shit. So there were often, you know. Thieves and robbers love to find you. Yes. So the Portuguese had kind of started thinking they could sail around Africa. And so they started doing that. But then on the other side of Africa, so if you go south from Europe around Africa, go down around the South Africa, what we call it now, and come up Africa on the other side, you know, same problem. Ships are either loaded with money or valuable goods. So we get pirates. So Columbus thinks he can find another way that will be quicker. So let's continue on in this little book here. So first, Columbus is going to ask the king of Portugal for money so he can get on some ships and sail west across the Atlantic. That's his goal. The king is going to consult with his experts, and they're going to disagree. Columbus thought he could make the voyage in about two to three months, sail from Europe all the way to Asia. Now, the king's experts are wrong, but they're also kind of right. They were right that Columbus couldn't make that journey in that time period. They were wrong, and they thought the journey would actually take more than, would take like four to six months. Now, do you know how long it takes during this time period to cross the Atlantic from Europe to get to North America? About three months? Yeah, not too bad. It's usually anywhere from two to six months, depending on the time period that you leave. Later in the year, there's more storms, less wind, that sort of thing you run into, so it's a longer trip. Oh, okay. But two to six months is about what it takes. That's just crossing the Atlantic. We know, unlike them, there was another big-ass ocean in the way. Yeah. Which is even bigger. So, yeah, they were right that Columbus was wrong about the time it would take to sail to Asia. But they were wrong in that they had the right distance to get to North America, which they didn't know existed. So they're right and they're wrong. So obviously the experts, you know, they tell the king he can't make it in that time. It's impossible. So the king turns him down. So Columbus moved on to Spain to set his plan before Queen Isabella. She seemed really interested, but it took six years of pleading before she finally agreed to provide for these ships. Now, finally, on August 3rd, 1492, Columbus set sail. Kind of like the rhyme, right? Yeah. 1492. Yeah, there we go. Everybody knows that one. His crew included 90 sailors and three tiny ships. Columbus commanded the largest ship, the Santa Maria. The other ships are... The Nina and the Pinta. There we go. At first, the ships had fair winds. They stopped for repairs in the Canary Islands off the coast of Africa on September 6th. Columbus set his course due west. For a month, the crew grew restless because in those days, the crew were never out of sight of land for more than about three weeks. It was kind of dangerous. Uh, that makes now, sense because they would be go- going along the coast, so they would still have something. Something, to, um, you know, if you go off the coast for a little bit, it's fine because you know you're going to get back to it. Yeah. But if you're sailing off uncharted waters, you know, the unknown is something that still kind of freaks people out. Yeah. Yeah. I can't judge them for that. That would scare the crap out of me. Oh, no, that would be like... You know, if you put me on a rocket ship and shot me towards <laughs> the, the deep blackness of space, I'd be freaked out too. Uh, so uh, they are out of sight for well over three weeks. Columbus is going to hold firm. The sailors on the ships are going to threaten mutiny a couple times um, because, you know, they think that he's a crazy guy that's going to get them all killed. But oh, uh, finally, on October 7th, sailors saw flocks of birds flying southwest. Mm. So... Obviously, Obviously, land has to be nearby. Obviously, land has to be somewhere nearby. So they do a quick course correction. It says, A storm blew up, but on the night of October 11th, the moon shone brightly. At 2 a.m. on October 12th, Rodrigo Triana, the lookout on the Pinta, spotted cliffs in the moonlight. Tierra, tierra, he shouted. Land, land. We're going to get into a little bit more about that story, because the way that story ends... um, Why do I feel like he doesn't survive this story? I don't know about Rodrigo Triana. I'm sure he probably survived, at least about like on par with, you know, the rest of the Spanish sailors. But there's more to that Rodrigo Triana story. And we're going to get to it a little bit later because it really highlights, I think, some of the character for Christopher Columbus that doesn't get shown in these textbooks. Oh, sweet. So they discovered land. Columbus was really, really, really sure that the land he discovered was the East Indies. He's going to get really excited because people are going to paddle out on canoes to meet his ship and they bring some gifts. And among those gifts, there's some gold. So he's like, yes, China is somewhere around here. We did it. 
We're about to find China. <laughs> so he spends a little bit going around trying to find China, but he doesn't ever get there. Yeah, something like a continent in his way. Yeah, there's a giant. And, you know, another ocean, which is much <laughs> larger. Yeah, no, no. He goes around, he looks, he doesn't find it. And in 1493, January, our book continues on, Columbus sailed for home. He received riches and honor from Queen Isabella, who named him Admiral of the Ocean Sea and Viceroy of the Indies. Fancy title, meaning he is the person in charge of our colonies that we're starting over there in the East Indies. The Spanish ruler agreed to finance another voyage. He made three more voyages out to this area. On his second trip, he discovers islands like Puerto Rico. He set up the first Spanish colony in the New World on Hispaniola, modern-day island of uh, the Dominican Republic in Haiti. Okay. Uh, Columbus had little success on his later voyages. He quarreled with the colonists. That's putting it lightly. He quarreled with the colonists and was called... Quarreled with the colonists sounds like there were big, ugly fights where lots of people died, but we're going to put this like super nicely in a sentence for the textbook. You're you're not far off. I wouldn't say big, ugly fights. It was more like if you know someone that reacts totally out of proportion for like what happened, Mm -hmm. that's kind of what happened. Okay. There's not really going to be a quarrel, but he's going to turn it into one. Or more accurately, his brothers will, and he's going to support his brothers. Um, When he died in 1506, he still believed the land he had discovered was part of Asia. I feel like that sentence is such an awe honey moment. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I can't help but like think of that and think of, you know, the Southern expression. Oh, bless your heart. Oh, honey, you tried. (laughs) So if you just read that, just and that's the only thing you knew about Columbus. What do you? Uh, what are your impressions of him? I feel like there were some very specific years that were like notated, but there were a lot of years that were not addressed, and it makes me really curious what happened in those years that we're not talking about. Right, there were some big gaps there. We get like the... with that big fancy title that they gave him. Yeah. Like surely he's not just chilling at home on the couch. So like, what's happening there that they're not talking about? Right. We get the fall of 1492. Mm-hmm. We get January of 1493, and then we get 1506. Yeah. Like there's a big gap there, and we're gonna get into what was going on during that gap in a little bit. So other than knowing that there are gaps, if you just knew, like, imagine you're an eighth grader, okay? The only thing you know about Columbus is what you just read right there that we discussed. And, you know, also the bullshit that you get in, like, elementary school. What's your impression of Columbus? Good guy? Bad guy? Um, I feel like it's guy who tried really hard and some stuff came from it. But I don't get, like, bad guy vibes from him based on that information. Okay, does he deserve a holiday all to himself? No. No. Okay, that's fair. Okay. I feel like there's a lot of people who've done something in history that's worth, like, note in a history book, but not everyone gets a day, and so that feels a bit extra. Um, one of the things I liked about this textbook is, like I said earlier, it actually jumps into a little bit about his childhood, you know, being mm-hmm. shipwrecked and... Yeah, like, I've never heard any of that before. But not all... in college history classes, anywhere. But also, it doesn't say he discovers a new world. Which is problematic. There's a lot of them that still say he discovers a new world. I find it hard to believe. How can you discover something that other people are already on? I feel like influencers on social media would disagree with you there. But like, I'm not saying they're right, but there's so many people like, I discovered this great new product. And you're like, but did you? Because, mm. Yeah, yeah. But like, that I can, I can believe, you know, because there's so much shit out there that people don't know about. Yeah. But like, to straight up land in a place... I discovered this whole giant area. And you have to tell the people that live there that you're the one that discovered it. <laughs> like, and it's mine now. You belong to this country that I'm coming from. Yeah. Yeah. That's so dickish. So it's, yeah, it is one that does not say that he discovered it, which was nice. All right. Uh, so next we have another one. This is a more recent textbook. So let's see how they portray him. Okay. This is a uh, Houghton Mifflin Harcourt I know that's super important to everybody. That way, if you're a teacher and you look, you can see if you have this textbook and know <laughs> what a piece of garbage it is. This one's called United States History, Early Colonial to Reconstruction. They always get real creative with the names. Yeah. Yeah. This one starts out almost like a narrative. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah. Okay, go. <clears throat> I, I almost picture like a Star Wars style, like crawl of text going up. 
All right. Stories of fabulous kingdoms and wealth in Asia captured the imagination of Christopher Columbus. Oh my Columbus. God, that sounds like the box, like at the back of a DVD box. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, sorry, keep going. Uh, captured the imagination of Christopher Columbus, a sailor from Genoa, Italy. Columbus was convinced that he could reach Asia by sailing west across the Atlantic Ocean. Columbus asked King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella of Spain to pay for an expedition across the Atlantic. He promised them great riches, new territory, and Catholic converts. It took Columbus several years to convince the king and queen, but they finally agreed to help finance the journey. Ferdinand and Isabella ordered Columbus to bring back any items of value and to claim for Spain any lands he explored. On August 3rd, 1492, Columbus's three ships set sail. The Nina and Pinta were caravels. Columbus sailed in the larger Santa Maria. The ships carried about 90 sailors and a year's worth of supplies. They made a stop in the Canary Islands, and then on September 6th, they resumed their journey. Soon they passed the limits of Columbus's maps and sailed into uncharted seas. After more than a month, with no sight of land, the crew grew restless. So this one's nice because it is more a little bit like a narrative. Yeah. Like, it's very story-esque. It's still leaving out some shit. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to that. I don't know why, but I'm weirdly, like, perturbed by the dates thrown in. I guess to, like, give, like, timeline aspects to this. I mean, they, they've they all mentioned that he goes to the king and queen of Spain. Mm-hmm. This one says the king and queen. The last one just said Queen Isabella. And it specifically mentioned that they waited six years before agreeing to it. Yeah. We'll get into why. They leave this out. I think it's an important detail. I don't know why they leave this out. It's not like it's bad or anything, but they, they just all leave it out, and it's important. But we'll get to it. So the crew's restless. It continues on. Soon, the crew saw signs of land. Note that the crew... They didn't specify the dude saw this time. Signs. It did not specify the dude this time. <laughs> We're going forward in history, and now they've erased Anyone our main man. that's not Columbus. Rodrigo Triano. So the crew saw signs of land, birds, and floating tree branches... Columbus promised a reward. Take note of this reward here. To him who first sang out that he saw land, he promises whoever sees this land first is going to get a big reward. Okay, so that's what made me think of that dude last time. Did he get a reward? Are you going to get to that? Oh, we're going to get to that. Okay. Oh, honey, you are in for it. So let's continue on. On October 12th, 1492, a lookout cried. A lookout? Not not Rodrigo Triana. Specific dude. A lookout cried, land, land ending the long journey from the Canary Islands. The ship landed on an island in the Bahamas. Columbus thought he had found a new route to Asia. Instead, he had reached another continent that was unknown to him. Columbus called the island San Salvador, which means Holy Savior. Columbus also visited another island called Hispaniola. There he met the Taino. At that time, Europeans called Asia the Indies. So Columbus believed he was in Asia, called these people Indians. The Taino lived in small farming communities. In his journal, Columbus wrote... The Taino were, take note of how he writes about these Native Americans, or more accurately, take note about how these books write that Columbus writes about these Native Americans. Columbus wrote, the Taino were, quote, so generous that no one would believe it who has not seen it. However, Columbus and his crew were not interested in the Taino culture, but in gold. After three months of exploring, looking for gold, and collecting exotic plants and animals, Columbus returned to Spain. Columbus made three more journeys to the Americas in his lifetime. In 1504, he returned to Spain in poor health. Columbus died two years later, still believing that he had reached Asia. So, what do you think about Columbus just from that last entry? I still feel like it doesn't give us the adjectives and adverbs and stuff that really describe a person. Like, it's very shallow fact-based. Like, here are a few facts. And so, like, if we're... I mean, some school districts even have days off, and, like, some governments have days off in honor or celebration of this man... That's very few facts that we have, in my opinion, to warrant the kind of celebration and honor we're giving him. And that's kind of something I said in uh, the first episode that I did of this podcast, that you really will rarely find anything that's factually inaccurate in these textbooks. But I feel like they're not saying much. And so I'm like, are they not saying much because it's not good what left there is to say? Or is it... No, honestly, that's what I'm wondering. Is it because there's not much else positive to say? <laughs> we'll get into that. Uh, there's a lot more to say about Columbus, but I like that you noted, is there not much more positive to say? Okay. Maybe it's the old rule. If you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. Or maybe, like, we as an American people sure do like to focus on all the great things we do. And if it's not good, we're like, mm, just pretend it didn't happen. Shh, don't talk about it. All right. So let's look at our next textbook. This is McGraw-Hill. This is the United States History 
to 1877. This one's less of a narrative. In 1492, Columbus led 90 sailors in three ships on a voyage into the unknown. Oh, they super left out all the, like, backstory. They're just like, we're going to start with the trip. Yep. Uh, I think they go back to it later. Okay, sorry. Um, As the voyage dragged on, the sailors grew angry. Columbus wrote, I am told that if I persist in going onward, the best course of action will be to throw me into the sea some night. Before that could happen, a lookout from the ship Pinta made the signal that he had spotted land. On October 12, 1492, Columbus left his ship, the Santa Maria, and went ashore. Columbus believed he had arrived in the Indies, islands located in the southeast of China. Actually, he had reached North America. Then we kind of go backwards in time a little bit. Okay. Born in Genoa, Italy in 1451, Christopher Columbus, a (laughs) sailor for Portugal. He traveled as far north as the Arctic Circle and as far south as Africa's Gold Coast. To reach Asia, Columbus has a different route in mind than the ones used by his Portuguese comrades. He planned to sail west. I feel like my English background and like taking English classes and how to write compositions, this is so not on topic, but like what a horrible way to like go backwards. It's really weird, right? Like just tell the story. Yeah, it, it and I think it has it has to do with this is an even more recent textbook. And so when you get to these more recent textbooks, often the first paragraph, it's like when you open up a newspaper, you get the headline and the first sentence tell you everything. Yeah. And, and then, then you go get back. the rest of this. Uh, okay. So this one, it's like you get a little headline for what they're talking about. A little it's subtitle. It's almost like for the people that aren't going to read the rest of it, it's like, here's a little bit so you can at least walk away knowing something. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what they're doing. It's just in a really weird way yeah. since they did go on for a while. <laughs> and then now they're jumping back. In the 1400s, most educated people believed the world was round. People were less certain about the Earth's size. Columbus was among those that based their estimates on the works of Ptolemy, an ancient Greek astronomer. Columbus believed Asia was about 2,760 miles from Portugal. Aw, honey. Yeah. A voyage of about two months. However, Ptolemy had underestimated the Earth's size. You think? (laughs) And using Ptolemy's estimate, Columbus did too. For most of the 1400s, Spanish monarchs devoted or committed their energy to driving the Muslims out of Spain. Muslims had invaded Spain in the 700s, but their power had been declining for centuries. The last Muslim kingdom in Spain fell in 1492. So this one at least tells us, I don't think they are going to put it as the reason, but this one tells us why the king and queen waited those six years. That's at least a positive. You know, Columbus goes to these people that are in the middle of a war, and they're like, hey, uh, pay for my trip to go to some place that I think will get me somewhere, but I don't know. And they're like, um, we're kind of busy. <laughs> Come back later, please. See, it's not like a big deal, so I wonder why the other textbooks leave that out. Yeah. Yeah. The, the last Muslim kingdom in Spain fell in the 1492, so this is what frees the Spanish monarchs to focus on other goals. The Spanish observed the seafaring and trading successes of their neighboring Portugal with envy. They too wanted the riches of the Asian trade. King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella of Spain agreed to support Columbus's expedition for two reasons. One reason was that Columbus was promising to bring Christianity to any lands he found. This was important to Isabella because she was a devout Catholic. Another reason was that if he succeeded in finding a route to Asia, Spain would become wealthy from the trade with that area. Queen Isabella promised Columbus a share of any riches gained from the lands he discovered on his way to Asia. Columbus made three more voyages from Spain. In 1493, 1498, and 1502, he explored the Caribbean islands of Hispaniola, present-day Haiti, and the Dominican Republic, Cuba, and Jamaica. He also sailed along the coasts of Central America and Northern South America. He claimed these islands for Spain and started settlements. He also mapped the eastern coastline of Central America. Columbus had not reached Asia, but instead he found a part of the world that was unknown to Europeans, Asians, and Africans. In the years that followed, the Spanish went on to explore most of the Caribbean and to establish the Spanish Empire in the Americas. Same question. If that's all you knew, you're an eighth grader sitting in class, your boring history teacher who was a jerk and made you read that, uh, that's all you know. This one at least gives dates in the later like 90s of that year, whereas the other ones it's like 1492 and then he died in 1500 whatever. This one at least addresses the years that happened. This one also doesn't bookend that he lived and died thinking he found Asia. Yeah. You know, this one leaves that out. So I feel this one leaves a much more positive. Yeah. 
It does. It doesn't talk about his interaction with the people whatsoever. It just states that he's here. He maps out. You're right. This is a more positive thing because it talks about he maps it out. He like locates and comes back with a picture of what this world looks like to Europe. But so far, we really haven't had any of them that detail what his interactions with the natives are like. We've gotten a glimpse. You know, one of them said that they came out on canoes and gave gifts but he wasn't interested in learning about their culture. That's a funny way to put what he does. Yeah. That he's just not interested in the culture. Um, But yeah, Uh, this one also gives us an interesting thing. It just throws out there that the two reasons that they, the king and queen financed his trip. And one of them was bring Christianity to the islands because Isabella was a devout Catholic. That's one of those things that we're going to see that's true, but it's only part of the story. I feel like it's deliberate verbiage saying that Isabella was a devout Catholic. Why did it leave out Ferdinand? Actually, Ferdinand, Isabella was more of the two. She was definitely bigger about supporting the Catholic Church. Okay. However, her reasons and the reason that Ferdinand is going to agree are not so much about, like, it's not as altruistic as you would think. It's not like modern missionary missions where they're going out spreading the word because they truly believe that's a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get into a little bit more about why they wanted to bring more people in. Okay. But bear in mind, they just got out of a big war between their big rival religion, which at that point is the fastest growing religion so in the world. So this is like, let me prove how great I am and get more people to... Essentially. Okay. This is the good one. This is the doozy textbook. This is the most recent textbook I have. It's also probably, you know what? I don't want to ruin the surprise. Well, we'll we'll just get to it. Okay. This is, um, and I have taught in more than one district. I've seen this textbook used at every district I've taught at. So it's a pretty popular one. Okay. It's from Holt. It's called Call to Freedom, Beginnings to 1877. Columbus went to Spain to ask King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella for help. Ferdinand and Isabella did not answer Columbus for six years because they were trying to capture the Kingdom of Grenada. In the meantime, he failed to get support from other European leaders. Finally, in January of 1492, Spain won Grenada and the Reconquista, the ongoing struggle to drive the Moors from Spain. Muslims. Uh, That's what they used to call them. There's even a Spanish dish called Cristos y Moros. Oh, which is uh, black beans and rice. And they call them that because the rice is white, like Christians and the black beans are. That's not racist at all. Yeah, no. Uh, It's still a super popular dish and it's on menus everywhere. Maybe time to give it a new name. (laughs) Yeah, it's less bad. You know, in in English, it's a little less bad. Black beans and rice. (laughs) That one gives us that fun information. So Ferdinand and Isabella agree to pay for Columbus's trip. They hoped that Columbus would find a new sea route to the Indies so that Spain could better compete with Portugal. The ships landed on an island in the Bahamas. Columbus called the island San Salvador. Columbus thought he was near the coast of China or near the islands of Japan. He did not realize he had reached a different continent entirely. Columbus searched for riches on other islands, including one he called Hispaniola. There he met the Taino. He called these people Indians because he believed he had landed in the fabled Indies. The Taino lived in small, peaceful farming villages. Columbus described them as, quote, very well built, with very handsome bodies and very good faces. He also noted that the Taino were, quote, so generous that no one would believe it who had not seen it. They never refused to give anything which they possess, if it be asked of them, end quote. I feel like that's super innuendo-y. Note where they left off on that quote. Because we're going to get into the full quote that he wrote there. Oh. And just remember where they decided to end that quote. Continues on. Columbus had little desire to learn about the Taino's culture, you think? He and his crew were more interested in discovering gold. Quote, there may be many things that I don't know. End quote. He wrote in his journal. But I do not wish to delay, but to discover and go to many islands to find gold. Columbus and his parties explored several islands. They asked the Taino if they knew of any wealthy rulers, gold mines, or great palaces. They collected little gold, but saw many natural wonders. 
Columbus described these sites in a letter. Quote, All these islands are beautiful of a thousand shapes, and all are accessible and filled with trees of a thousand kinds and tall, and they seem to touch the sky. Columbus spent more than two months exploring, then he decided that he had found enough gold and local treasures. Oh, how quaint. They just call it local treasures. We'll see what that means later. To return to Spain. Before he and his men left, however, the Santa Maria struck a coral reef and sank. There was not enough room for all the sailors on the Nina and the Pinta. Instead, Columbus and his men built a small colony on the north coast of Hispaniola. They called it La Navidad, the Spanish word for Christmas. Columbus left 40 men at La Navidad and promised to return for them soon. He then boarded the Nina, the Nina. He then boarded the Nina and set sail for Spain in January of 1493. That gives a lot more detail than any of the other books have given. It does and it doesn't. Um, this one tells us from the time he wants to try to get there up into 1493. And then that's where the story ends. Uh, we don't know. Oh, there's not like more that we're going to hear about. Nope, this that's... like mysterious 11 years. No, the next part of that book jumps into other Spanish explorers. So that was the end of the entry on Columbus himself. Man, there is like nothing in these textbooks about those like 11 years. Yeah, there are not. There are not at all. All right, but if you just, if that was the only thing you knew, what we just read about him, good guy, bad guy. Favorable impression. Favorable impression. Does he deserve a holiday? Eh, yeah. 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 Yeah, I would agree with that. If, if that's all I knew. I'd say he's a good guy mm-hmm. and he probably Set deserves a colony, a came back. Yeah. Cool. So all in all, I looked through 11 different textbooks. I selected out the good ones. And when I say good ones, my criteria were they had to be give us the most information and the most accurate. And these, unfortunately, were the winners. Let's get in. That's kind of like the like lie by omission. Is it a lie because you didn't, I didn't say that it happened? Is this one of those situations? Very much so. Very much so. Um, in in fact, if you ever read the the big famous one by uh, Howard Zinn, A People's History of the United States, uh-huh. he opens it up and he just kind of says that most of history stuff is kind of like you have to decide what you're going to say and what you're going to leave out. No matter what, what story you're writing about, every historian has to decide what facts are they putting in, what facts are they leaving out. That's fair. Um, and so his his thing, his deal with that book was that he just feels a lot of people have decided to leave out really important shit. Anything negative? Anything negative, yeah. Let's start off with um, the first book mentioned, Rodrigo Triana. Yeah, and then we never heard from him again. Do you remember what Rodrigo Triana did? He was the guy who saw evidence of land he saw the birds and the cliffs i think it was yeah yeah so he sees well he didn't see the birds other people saw the birds but he was the lookout at 2 a.m in the morning that spotted the cliffs okay that's right uh so one of our other textbooks says that columbus told his crew anybody that first sees land gets a prize y'all yeah more about that i want to know more about that yeah uh, columbus was not the one that came up with that idea Okay. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he did mention it to his crew, but it's actually Queen Isabella. Before they set out, she promised anybody, the first person to spot land, would be given wealth and would be taken care of for the rest of their lives and receive a position in the Spanish royal court. Now, Rodrigo Triana is the person that we all know spotted land first. Do you think Rodrigo Triana got that reward? I feel like probably not. No. In 1493, when Columbus returned back... He told Isabella that even that he spotted land a couple hours before from his sleeping quarters, but decided not to tell anybody. And so he was really the first person that spotted land. That's not pretentious at all. Does that sound like something somebody would do if everybody knows there's a contest on? To be like, oh, I spotted it, but I'm going to be quiet about it and not mention it to anybody. I'm not going to tell anyone. I'm going to let you think you saw it, but like you didn't see it. Yeah, no. Um, it's pretty much accepted by most historians that Columbus just straight up lied. And he's the one that gets the wealth. He's the one that gets the title. You know, that Admiral of the Oceans. Oh, that fancy douchey title? Yeah. That's how he got it? He gets that because he claims he's the first person and he's the one that they believe. Rodrigo Triana is unfortunately scrubbed from most history books. But we do know about him in some of them. And some do mention, some of the better ones do mention 
So at least he has, you know, it's not worth a lot to him now. But yeah. So he lies about that. So knowing that he lied about that, does that influence what you think about his character as a person? Oh, absolutely. If you're going to lie about that, what else have you lied about? Yeah. We'll get into some of the other fun stuff that Columbus has done. Um, Before we get into that, um, only a couple of the books mentioned why Christianity was a big thing. And we, like, why it was a big thing with the King and Queen of Spain. And it was a little bit, we talked a little bit about it, right? Um, So it's a big thing because we're dealing with, the Catholic Church has a major rival. um, And not like a friendly rival, like the Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox Church at that time. It's like a violent rivalry between Uh the Catholics and the Muslims. And you could debate all day about who starts this quarreling. That's not important to us right now for this discussion. But essentially, the Muslims had ended up conquering all of, like, the Iberian Peninsula. Uh, King and Queen of Spain fighting this war. They kick them out. That's when they start, you know, talking to Columbus and saying, okay, now what, what was it that was so important earlier when we were fighting? Let's go conquer more places. Well, no, that's I'm completely wrong there. They thought they were going to India. What they wanted was to spread Christianity to boost the numbers of Catholics because they were continually worried that Muslims were getting more and more powerful mm. and that that would lead to more and more conflict and that they would be able to conquer Europe. So they needed to make the Catholic Church bigger and have more people in it okay. to best fight against that. So not really a lot of, a lot of places um, kind of... Leave it off, and it gives this impression that they want to convert people because they know it's the right thing, and they want people to be... They just wanted to win wars. Yeah, they they needed more political... more power. Okay. More power. That's what that was about. It was a political thing. But a lot of places will mention specifically Isabella, because she was a very, very devout Catholic. So that gives the connotation that it's an act of heart, not an act of... It, it's the... They told the truth, but they left some stuff out. And so we get a different perception of it. Yeah. So uh, you remember the quote that that one textbook told us? Which quote was that again? Uh, it was, he's talking about the Taino people. And he the textbook says, starts off with, quote, very well built, very handsome bodies, very good faces. And they, they will give you anything if you ask them. Anything oh, they right. have. That, that one. Yes. So it, they leave it off about halfway through. They stop. And I can't for the life of me understand why the textbook would just stop there. Do you want to hear the rest of the quote? Heck yeah, I do. Here it is. Quote, They brought us parrots and balls of cotton and spears and many other things, which they exchanged for the glass beads and hawks' bells. They willingly traded everything they owned. They were well built with good bodies and handsome features. They do not bear arms. They do not know them. For I showed them a sword. They took it by the edge and cut themselves out of ignorance. They have no iron. Their spears are made of cane. They would make fine servants. With 50 men, we could subjugate them all and make them do whatever we want. End quote. Wow, that last part there. <laughs> like, try to put yourself in the textbook writer's place. Obviously, you have the quote in front of you. Mm-hmm. Why do you just stop? Right there. Because that breaks the narrative. Like, we have a holiday celebrating this guy. And then if you just listen to the rest of this sentence, you're like, oh, hell. He's already, like, making notes about making slaves and servants. Here's more. Here's another write-up he put on um, about people he came across in the New World. What he thought were Indians. This is a letter directly from Columbus to King Ferdinand. So this isn't some, like, biased, you know, third-party source or whatever. Just from the These guy we're talking words. about. Yeah. Quote, many of the men I have seen have scars on their bodies, and when I made signs to them to find out how this happened, they indicated that people from other nearby islands come to San Salvador to capture them. They defend themselves the best they can. I believe that people from the mainland come here to take them as slaves. They ought to make good servants, for they repeat very quickly whatever we say to them. I think they can easily be made Christian, for they have no religion. If it pleases our Lord, I will take some of them to your highness when I depart in order that they may learn our language. These people are very simple in warlike matters. I could conquer the whole of them with 50 men and govern them as I pleased. They're dumb. I can tell them what to do. Like, it's a positive thing that he sees in his mind. It's a positive thing that these people are weak. Other people use them as slaves. So I'm going to bring some back for you. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, do you remember the one textbook specifically mentioned that Christopher Columbus returned with a little bit of gold and other local treasures? Oh, no. Are the local yeah. treasures people? They are people. Ugh. And of all the people he takes back on that first voyage, 50% don't make the trip back because of death, caused by disease, bad conditions. But, yeah. Yeah, not, uh, not a great time to uh, be messing around with Europeans. So later when... Because it mentions that Columbus went out on several more voyages. He goes back in 1493. That's when he brings those local treasures. But they finance more trips. Um, part of that is because they found a little bit of gold. So in their minds, if there's a little bit somewhere, there's got to be a lot somewhere else. Yeah. Spoilers, there's not. So um, later when Columbus, Columbus's uh, voyages failed to bring in as much gold as he initially promised, uh, he decided to turn to something else that was valuable. Oh, no. More if slaves and people? More sl- Well, for us, yes, people. For them, not people. Because they didn't view them as people? I uh, didn't view them as people, no. Uh, in fact, more than 1,500 men, women, and children were rounded up and put into a stockyard. Oh, my God. Uh, not like huts or anything. A stockyard, uh, which the descriptions that I've seen are just a wooden fence like you'd see around a pasture or a cattle pen, and they're just herded into there and kept there. That's horrible. Yeah, 1,500 people. They went through and picked out 500 of the best, and they were set out on the ship, and half of them don't make that trip. What was done to the rest of them? The 1,500, you mean? Mm-hmm. So the 500 went, there's 1,000 left. Oh, they were, um, you know, second, third shipments. Oh. Yeah, and by that, I mean, like, the ones that would end up surviving and not dying of disease because that was spreading around rampant and then you know when you cram people up together and you got a disease going on it tends to spread a little bit worse as we're finding out in this hey pandemic. world let's listen to that <laughs> those 1500 that didn't go over in the first shipment would be the um local treasures that would go over in some of the other shipments oh sweet hey you know what the other one of the other local treasures that got sent over was um syphilis Columbus brought it over. The gift that keeps giving. Yeah, the gift that keeps giving. Yeah, that's still still with us today. Yeah, you're welcome, Europe. You deserve it. Christopher Columbus, because he's bringing in these local treasures and building up the wealth of Spain, you know, he's given that other title. Mm-hmm. We already talked about his Admiral of the Oceans. Now he's also the Viceroy of the Americas. This is where that comes in. He's going to be the governor of the territories we got. We're going to look into a little bit about his governorship. So a lot of historians are divided on whether or not he was a brutal leader. Let me just say he was arrested for being overly brutal in the colonies. Who arrested him? Spain. Spanish officials. Oh, the people who put him in charge. Yeah, the people who put him in charge. Yikes. And the people that will continue going on massacring and wholesale genociding Native Americans thought this guy was too brutal. Oh, that's bad. Yeah. So... Again, historians are divided over whether or not he was a brutal guy. But the brutal people arrested him for being too brutal. Uh, The new governor, Francisco de Bobadilla, interviewed many supporters and enemies. So one of the reasons historians are divided is they don't think they can believe Francisco's writings. Um, But his investigation, he interviews people that loved him and hated him. So let's let's look at some examples. And we'll... Listeners, you come to your own conclusion, and we'll come to our conclusions here. We'll play a little game, Was Columbus Brutal? All right, example number one. It was reported that Columbus regularly used torture and mutilation as a tactic to instill fear in order to govern the colonies. Ah. Brutal or not brutal? Super brutal. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Number two. Columbus used forced labor to mine gold in exchange for copper tokens. Natives over 14 years old without copper tokens had their hands severed. Ooh. Brutal? Not brutal. You know, just a bit. I mean, they could go out and get a job and stop being lazy. Oh my god. Yeah, no. Ah, brutal. Definitely brutal. All right. Uh, another example. Punished a man who stole an ear of corn by cutting off his ears, cutting off his nose, and selling him into slavery. Oh my god. Yeah. How dare you be hungry? Yeah. An ear of corn, which grows everywhere in the New World. Like. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, here's another example. Uh, Columbus also 
not just, in my mind, a big dick, but also has one of the worst traits that um, any kind of leader or person in charge can have, nepotism. Mm. Here's another one. When his brother, Bartolomeo, paraded a naked woman in the streets and then removed her eyes and tongue for claiming Columbus was of low birth, what do you think Columbus did when he heard about his brother doing this? Oh, no. Columbus congratulated his brother for upholding the family honor. Woman didn't do anything but just say, Columbus is not of noble birth. And his brother strips her naked, runs her through the street, and then gouges her eyes out. And Columbus is like, mm-hmm. good on you, bro. Thanks. Thanks for having my back. Huge dick. Ugh. Yeah. Here's another one. Uh, if native tribes ever refused a request, he would invade their village and kill everyone in it. Then... Their dismembered body parts were paraded through town and then would be hung on the ramparts of the settlement as a warning of the cost of resistance. Oh my God. Brutal or not brutal? That's so gross. And another one. According to historian Consuelo Varela, who studied Bobadilla's report, Columbus's government was characterized by a form of tyranny and even those who loved him had to admit the atrocities that had taken place. Yeah, he's a great dude. Yeah. And that's when he's paying attention to his colonies, because when he's the leader of these colonies, the colonists are actually going to rebel against Columbus because he's neglecting it. He's spending all his time on his boats, sailing off on other islands, thinking, oh, this one's definitely China, guys. Here's where I'm going to find the gold. Yeah. So, I mean, and the people in the colonies just get, there's, there's over that shit. He was so much more interested in exploring, trying to find gold. So finally in 1500, the year 1500, um, he kind of realized that, yeah, I've kind of let things get out of control. And that's when Spain came and arrested him for being a shitty governor. Hmm. Yeah, that's why he got sent back. So that's what's happening in those missing years? That's what's happening in those missing years. Why don't they talk about that? I mean, it's not, is, is it that bad? Yeah, it's pretty awful. It's pretty awful. All right. Oh, man. Um, Here's another thing. This one's also kind of a big one. One of the reasons that Queen Isabella said that she wanted to allow Columbus to do this was to spread Christianity Mm -hmm. to the natives. Let's look at what Christopher Columbus did with these natives. Columbus refused to baptize Native Americans because he wanted to enslave them. And he felt that he would draw undue criticism from the church if he made them Catholics before he enslaved them. That's some warped logic. I mean, you, this is a guy that thinks slavery is okay. <laughs> so it's already I mean, going to be warped. he looked at people and he's like, these would make great slaves. Yeah. I think from that, we can just kind of understand that the whole, they love to push into kids. That's the three G's, gold, glory, and God is what uh-huh. it calls. God is majorly on the back burner as a reason for this. It's like the moral justification for things. Uh, It's like how nowadays a lot of people tend to think that we got involved in World War II. We, the United States, got involved in World War II because Germany was bad and they were doing bad things to people. But we knew what they were doing Mm. and we helped them out. It just, it became less profitable to keep helping them out. So then we entered. And then it became this whole moral thing of like, oh, this, this, this. We got to help these people out. Uh. Same thing. Uh, Humanity doesn't really change. It's a, you know, hey, you got to promise that you're going to help these these poor, unchristian people become Christian. And he's like, totes, guys, with, you know, realizing he's got his hands crossed behind his back. Uh. So, uh, Columbus, you think he deserves a day for himself? Should he have statues up all around the, the place? I mean, definitely not statues. Oh, my God. Yeah. It, it boggles my mind <laughs> that we have people that are defending statues for this... this this douchebag like we're celebrating that he screwed up and came upon a place that was not where he was planning to go and then when he got to that place he like treated everyone like crap and killed them you know now that you phrase it like that i think i might be changing my mind maybe we should celebrate people that screw up as like a, hey you can fuck up and still get your own holiday no i'm just kidding that yeah i'm sucks. like i mean that's a lesson a really <laughs> shitty one <laughs> Yet you can, here we are you can going fuck into Columbus up Day weekend. And keep fucking up, and you'll still get your own holiday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So that is Christopher Columbus, a major prick, super dumb, although not dumb by the standard of his day. That was just kind of, you know, you can't believe you can't blame him for thinking that he discovered yeah, a new like route to one, Asia. And he thought he had and no one knew better. Yeah. So that, that that's not all on him. But what he does when he gets there is definitely all on him. And like I said, really the only source we have on the awfulness is Francisco Bobadilla, his investigation, because he was appointed the next governor and he had to find out what went wrong. But for Native Americans and the treatment between these European people is, uh, I believe it was a Franciscan monk who came over. And it was like just appalled by the treatment that we, we um, European people were giving to these Native Americans. Now you can't feel too good about him because his solution is going to be we need to ease up on Native Americans and we just need to bring Africans over to be slaves. Oh my God. They're, they're better suited for that work anyway. So yeah, no good guys in this story either. Our first one, Nathaniel Bacon... All douchebags. This one turns out it's all douchebags too. But you know what? Maybe when we get the patriotic education, we'll find, you know, the diamond in the douchebag in this one. Hopefully. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, Haley. And everybody, thanks for listening in. You can find us on all the places where you can find podcasts, notably Apple Podcasts. That seems to be where most people get them and Spotify. Go to Anchor and look up textbook propaganda. You'll find us. But more importantly, go to wherever you find your podcast now and type in textbook propaganda and you'll find us. We're on Facebook at textbook propaganda. We are on Twitter at textbook prop. Instagram at textbook propaganda. Follow us and be ready for that next episode, which is going to drop next month. Thanks. Catch y'all later.